Hello again, and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Conservative. I am Edward. I am Andrea, but I am not conservative. You're not? No, but he is my favorite conservative. Thank you. All right, Edward. So tell us, I think we have final, final, final election results. Well, for reals. Yes and no. We have results in the House of Representatives that the Republicans have taken the House with right now a bare minimum of 218 votes. So they uh, barely did it. Barely dragged over yeah. the line. They dragged the corpse over the line and dropped it. <laughs> um, but there are still five races uh, left to be called. So it could be 218 to 217. Oh, my it could God. Be something crazy like that. I think there's going to be about a four or five seat difference. Uh, different but not a wave, baby. Not a wave. Not a wave. Not a wave. However, we can cheer uh, a big hurrah that Nancy Pelosi has relinquished any leadership position. She's not resigning or retiring because they'll have to drag her out. You know, she's only 80, right? I think. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what else are you going to do? So, yeah, we, we can't get rid of her yet, uh, but she is no longer in leadership capacity for the Democrats. So uh, finally, that long reign has ended. And there was a big announcement, too. Big announcement. Big Donald, announcement. Uh, Donald John Trump, uh, 45th president of the United States, has this week announced that he is uh, running again uh, for 2024. Ah! <laughs> How do you <laughs> well, first off, for me, watching watching his announcement speech, it was was difficult. Yes, I'm a Trump fan. I, I I do like Trump. I love what he did in office, but the low energy of that performance was uh, was interesting. And I know people are saying, well, he's just trying to appease. The people that say he's always over the top and whatnot, but I think it went a little too far to the to the downside on that one. Well, I am not a fan of Trump, and although I do agree with a lot of what he did and his policies, but yeah, the energy, the pizzazz, you know, the infectious laughter, even the movement was not there in Trump's speech. I mean, there was really nothing to get too excited about. Not that I'm excited either way. I, I just. Can can you just go away? Can you go away? Can Clinton go away? I'm sorry, I'm getting up. To, go ahead. You are. Uh, yes. You know. <sighs> As you can see, we're a bit divided here on that, but that's okay. Well, not really. If uh, you had to choose, would you choose him? If Donald Trump wins the nomination for the Republican Party, I will be all in for Donald John Trump. To my ladies out there, don't you just love it when you ask a qu question? You should be a politician. And the man doesn't answer the question. I answered if he's no, going to be the nominee. No, I said, is he who you would want? I don't know yet. I think we need to have a primary system or primaries. And we need to see how if a DeSantis decides to get in and run, we need to see how they do. I, there, there should be no coronation uh, of anybody at Well, that party. that is what President Trump, former President Trump expects. Well, sure. Who wouldn't want to say I'm running and everybody says, oh, yeah, OK, you're in. No, you've got to work for it. He knows he has to work for it. And uh, my head's going to explode. Oh, my God. We just got to like, OK. Ugh. All right. <laughs> Moving on. What's next? What would you like to talk about this week? What's what's on your mind? I know your energy level's a little down. A little down. Yes. Should I tell people why? 
I think you should share. If you're listening to this months from now, hopefully this will no, it will no longer be relevant. No, hopefully (laughs) it will not be relevant. So I have long COVID and I have many blood clots in my lungs. It kind of looks like spider webs all through my lungs. It's far worse than the worst bout of pneumonia I ever had. So it's a little strange. It's a little scary. It completely affects my energy. And yes, so thank you, COVID, the gift that just keeps on giving. Well, it's like the ultimate weight loss uh, plan, isn't it? What if you lost 15% of your body weight? Uh, Not quite 15%, but yeah, I've lost over 10% of my body weight without trying. Uh, My muscles have disappeared. And yes, there's lots of loose skin. It's just not pretty. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting really personal. This is weird. Okay. All right. What else is on your mind? Okay. Well, as I mentioned to you earlier today, I was working on a grant for a company on behalf of my nonprofit. And it was so bizarre to me because a huge part of the beginning grant process is all about three letters. Edward, would you like to take a guess as to what they are? Uh, let's see. Does it start with a D? It does indeed start okay. with a D. It's uh, the next one. E? Yeah. What does it stand for? Just say. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. D-E-I. Yes. So they've added some extra hurdles to this grant. So all these questions are coming up about D-E-I. Now, in relationship to the grant, it actually does serve. It's for a program that serves underserved um, populations. So that makes sense. But then there are three pages, essentially, about DEI among employees, among leadership, people running the program. We are a very small nonprofit, so we don't have dozens and dozens of employees. Um, we have a fairly small board of directors too. But what bothered me as I got into these questions was it went beyond race and ethnicity, which I feel like started probably way back with affirmative action. Sure. Okay. That's not what bothered me. What bothered me is it started getting into sexuality, gender preference, uh, who are you are attracted to sexually? And I'm thinking to myself, what business is it of mine, of our employees or someone on my board of directors? I mean, what business is it of mine, what their sexuality is, the type of people they're attracted to? And here, the thing that really gets me is that this is now part of a charity scoring system, which is one of the most universally accepted systems. Again, I'm going to leave out details. It's just mind-boggling to me because I'm not going to answer those questions. I don't think it is whoever the granting corporation is, the government, anybody. It's not their business on who you like to sleep with. No. Um, I think that should be pretty simple. I mean, I find it ironic that the program itself that you're trying to fund serves the underserved community, but that's not enough. They need to. They need to have you know, every box checked and every bean counted on, you know, everything so they can somehow show it to their superiors and so on and so forth. So, right. 
I don't know where you go from there, but if it were me, I would not answer. Well, I wasn't asking for your advice or your opinion. I know it's unsolicited and it's free. (laughs) Oh my God. You're such a man. This may be the show right here. This, this long COVID. Did you hear that? Yeah. Well, that's true. Okay. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do this? Let's, let's break it down. You know, let's, let's look at, at diversity. You know, everybody says diversity is our strength. Well, I mean, it's nice to have diverse viewpoints and whatnot, right? Absolutely. Like we agree with that, but. I still don't know where you're going though with this. So, Well, we just, we just want to break down what DEI is. Oh, okay. You know, so it is diversity, the D. Right. Know, you know, diversity is fine. It's, it's great if. You know, that's your main goal in life is to be surrounded by as many different people as possible. I think that is virtue signaling to the nth degree that you have to be around different cultures and this and that all the time. And it's not true. There, there's a reason there are cultures and some prefer to stay with their own culture. That's their business. If you choose to. Uh, okay. Uh, where are you going though with this? You can keep this part in. I'm sorry. Where are you going? I'm just saying that it's it's okay that we don't have to be this incredibly diverse universe. That well, I, but but generally speaking, America is a very diverse country. It is, yeah, okay. by its nature. Okay, absolutely. All right. So yeah. and so they're trying to just force it down. They're trying to force the issue. On okay, it. move on to E. Equity. Ooh, that that that's one that sticks in my craw. You've got some notes already. here. That's your that's your yeah. craw. Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah, I know you have some notes there. What do well, they say? You know, let's equity, right? They're trying to substitute for the word equality, you right? Know, where they're trying to confuse people that they're the same thing, and they're not, because equality is, you know, giving people the, the same the opportunities. opportunities. Yes, yeah, yeah. Making sure that opportunities are equity available. is you're getting the same results, the same outcome. Yeah. And that is based on individual performance. That should be based on individual performance, right? I mean, it, it should not, everybody is not going to have the same outcome because pe- some people are smarter than others. Some people are taller, shorter, whatever you're doing, right? You know, what, what if you choose sports, if you choose whatever, you cannot make everybody have the same outcomes, no matter how hard you try to push it. Right. Okay. I. Inclusion. Oh my. Okay. So. That's where we have to include everybody, you know, and that's fine as, as long as it's not forced. If you want to include somebody into your group, your friends, whatever, do so. If not, if they're a jerk, but you think you have to have them in your friends because they check a box, I feel badly for you. <laughs> Why do you think people would feel this in their personal lives? You think people in their well, personal lives would feel pressured? I think in the last 15 years, we have raised through our educational system, we've raised a group that think activism is the highest calling that they can do. And if you're not an activist, you know, versus just out there actually doing the work and and doing your job that doesn't, you know, have activism in it, that somehow you're lesser or less moral than they are. And I think we need to get back to Hey, uh, you know, I'm working, I'm doing this job, I'm f- providing for my family, and and I think we're missing a lot of that now. So, you know, this this whole 
virtue signaling, I, I think that that we're seeing across the board is just that whether it it's you know what Instagram where you know Black Lives Matter everybody put up the black uh, the black square, square. Right? yes I remember or Ukraine right everybody put the Ukrainian flag up because yep. I'm signaling that I'm more virtuous than you and you're not really because all you're doing is just punching a button and probably not doing anything after that right <laughs> so. Anyway, that's my rant. That's your rant? It's my mini rant for today. Yeah. I just wish it wasn't part of being judged that on something that's actually going to matter. That that didn't make any sense, yeah. but it did in my head when I said it. Um I, I just I, I don't know. I just it, it it bothers me so much. And wait, you had a great example from um orchestras. Yeah, you know, for the past couple of decades at least, if if you wanted to play for a symphony, they have literal blind auditions where there's a curtain that's set up and the musician sits behind that curtain and nobody sees what color, gender, whatever that person is, and they play and they are ranked. And that's how they get the job. Right. And afterward, they find out what they are. And now... Unfortunately, in the last year or so, uh, they are uh, the symphonies are now under immense pressure because they're not seeding enough, you know, BIPOC, minority, whatever you want to call it, community. Well, the whole idea was to be completely colorblind. Right. But meritocracy, I guess, in the truest form isn't good enough for the DEI set. Right. You know, it's to me. um, I always think back to one of our great orators of all time, President George W. Bush. (laughs) (laughs) That was sarcasm. That was, yeah. Insert sarcasm here. Uh, Actually, a speech written by a guy named Michael Gerson, who died three days ago from liver cancer. So, you know, prayers out to his family and his loss. Liver cancer? Liver cancer. Or uh, kidney cancer. Okay. Kidney cancer. Yeah, sorry. Um, 58 years old, I believe. But he wrote probably one of the greatest lines I think that George Bush ever uttered. And it's the soft bigotry of low expectations. And there is so much of this virtue signaling just falls right into that category that you can't do it without help from me. You know, I'm going to be your savior because you're just not smart enough. You're not this, you're not that. Give people a chance to show themselves, give them an opportunity, but don't guarantee an outcome for them. So well, that was very well said. I think well, we could, could stop there. Well, that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm serious. That was really good. <laughs> thank you. You know, I, I think, I, I think something that's backfiring on a lot of companies nowadays and, you know, and especially they're they're pissing you off, right? You know, asking for this kind of stuff. But when they put people through these diversity training courses, right? You work for this big company and you've got to go to these diversity training courses. And what do they do? They sit you down. A lot of times they segregate the people, which is quite interesting, yeah. right? You know, we're here for diversity, but we're going to split you up into groups. And the people that are Caucasian are told that they're racist. They don't know it. But because they were born in a white skin, they automatically are. I completely reject any lines of thinking on that. It, it is insane that people learn behavior. They do. Yeah, and, oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're a jerk, you're a jerk. I don't care what color you are. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to hang out with you. You're not going to be my friend. I have no time for that. You know. But by telling people 
that just because of the color of the skin that they have, that they have these predetermined qualities that nobody can really quantify, right? And that's the whole thing, right? Really, this, this entire thing, whether it's the DEI in education or the corporate world, it's all subjective, right? There's right. nothing concrete to it. There are no concrete goals. The goals are always end racism and blah, 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 right? Or provide opportunities uh, to underserved communities, but nothing, there, there's there's no- You don't think it's very measurable. It's not measurable at all. That's a better word. Yeah, it, it is so subjective. And that's, it is a, an incredible gig to have. You know, I was actually reading an article this morning um, and it was about uh, this industry, this DEI industry before George Floyd's death mm-hmm. in 2020, March of 2020, I believe. And the story started out that uh, it was from some woman that was in New York and she was basically about to go bankrupt and shut her company because nobody want, nobody had it in their budgets anymore for all of this stuff. And then George Floyd happened Mm -hmm. and the floodgates open. And this woman was quoted as, you know, from every no, no, no that I got, I got 10 times. Yes, yes, yes. My inbox was filled. My voicemail was filled from companies just trying to appear to be virtuous. And that's the, that's the whole thing there. It's right. You know, the, the corporations all of a sudden because of George Floyd's death, tragic as it was that, they all of a sudden somehow found this conscience. Yeah. Right. Uh, And I think everybody sees through it, but everybody's playing the game or a lot of people are playing the game. And so now these people, the greatest gig is to be a speaker of uh, DEI subjects and whatnot. They make 20, 30, $40,000 a top. And yeah, it's, it's really nice work if you can get it. You know, I think this might be a good segue for something we forgot earlier that linkedin post that i wrote okay okay so i'm gonna pull it up maybe not read the whole thing Mm -hmm. so i posted this four months ago and this got over twenty-eight thousand impressions and i'm not saying that to brag because lots of people get a lot more than that but it kind of went viral for where I am on LinkedIn. And it's just a text post. And I'd like to read it as it relates to something that Edward and I do. I don't want to be accepted into a program due to my sex, gender, sexuality, race, ethnicity, or parenthood. I would like this application to be judged on its merits, including the company's idea, mission, vision, scalability, as well as my tenacity and grit as a founder. Perhaps it was a mistake to be brutally honest, but this was my response to a startup program application question that asked, is there anything else you would like us to know? And that is the answer that I put into the application because it already felt so invasive up to that point. And no, we did not get into the program, by the way. Here's the rest of the post, though. For those who insist, I was born a biological girl. I didn't like being a girl. I was a tomboy who loved climbing trees. Now I'm a woman, and I love being a woman. My sexuality is truly none of your business. I appreciate inner and outer beauty in people. I love intelligence, curiosity, and a great sense of humor. In theory, my race slash ethnicity is German, American, Indian, English, and Irish. 
but DNA isn't that simple. If you couldn't guess by looking at my hair color and translucent skin, I bypassed the German and American Indian altogether. According to Ancestry and DNA, this is as of this year, I am 47% English, 31% Scottish, 19% Irish, 2% Welsh, and 1% African, specifically Cameroon, Congo, and the Western Bantu. So there you have it. And as we said at the top of this, which I forget how ever long ago that was, Edward, <laughs> but you know, it, it's so hard for me because this happened on a startup program application question. And this was my answer. And and then to be looking at this again in the context of getting an educational grant, it's really frustrating. I mean, I just I just don't understand why these companies would need to know about other people's sexuality. To me, that is just nuts. I, I wouldn't even think to ask people. No, I completely agree. And I fully support anybody out here who does not answer that. I think the pushback needs to be, no, we're not going to play that game. You're not entitled to this set of facts. And I'm not going to ask my board, my employees, whatever. Hey, who do you like to have sex with? Yeah. You know, no, be a little invasive. Yes, just a little. So no. Uh, And how far have we gone from Martin Luther King Jr.? You know, judging people on the content of their character and not the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder how he would be accepted today right? If he didn't have this huge legacy and things, if he were just still a preacher in Atlanta, what would he, would he be getting pushback? And I think he would. I think the left would really push back on him because he's not progressive enough versus just let people be people. Let your character determine who you are. Okay. Amen. (laughs) There's my sermon for today. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us today. I am Edward. And I am Andrea. And I'm not conservative, but I'm sitting next to my favorite conservative. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye.